0: Welcome to the Australian Christian Lobby's Voice for Values. Welcome to Voice for Values. I'm Martin Isles. Well, the time has finally come. The Ruddock Review into Religious Freedom will be released by the Government this week. This is a critical moment for Christians because what the Government chooses to do in response to the Ruddock Review will determine exactly how free we are into the future to live according to what we believe. So many concerns have been raised in recent months. Will believers be protected from discrimination? Will churches continue to have the right to preach and teach freely? Will our Christian schools be safe? Can we hold down our jobs, keep our professional accreditations, even continue to parent our own children? Can we be sure that Paul's prayer in 1 Timothy 2 will be answered in our time? That our governing authorities would ensure that the life of godliness is a life of peace. Many will say that this is scaremongering, that it's alarmist, that freedom is not under threat, that the church has nothing to worry about. So are we just kicking up a fuss for no reason? To help us answer that question today, we're looking overseas to a country much like our own in terms of culture, but shall we say 10 to 15 years ahead of us in terms of social change. A country where same-sex marriage was legalized nationally in 2005, for example. A country that is seeing the fruit of key policy changes like that one just over a decade on. I'm speaking today with just the man to tell us what we can expect in the future, my good friend, the Executive Director of the Christian Legal Fellowship of Canada, Derek Ross. Derek, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Martin. It's great to be with you.
0: Uh, Derek, let me start with a really current issue that might give people a little bit of an understanding of where things are at right now in Canada. You've recently had a Supreme Court case at the Canadian Supreme Court called the Trinity Western case. And I understand the Christian Legal Fellowship put submissions into this. But a really significant case in terms of religious freedom for Christians and particularly Christian institutions in Canada. Could you just run us through what happened there?
1: Absolutely. So Trinity Western University, for those who aren't familiar, is a an evangelical university located in British Columbia. Very well respected, uh, highly regarded academically in Canada, uh, very successful. And they sought to open Canada's first faith-based law school. In Canada, we don't have any private or religious law schools, and Trinity Western was going to open the first of either. Um, They passed all academic requirements, they were reviewed and were found to meet all uh, standards, but they faced opposition uh, because of their code of conduct, what they call a community covenant. And the reason they faced opposition was because the community covenant um, asked all students and uh, faculty uh, to refrain from sexual intimacy outside of marriage, and marriage is defined in uh, the Community Covenant as a union exclusively between one man and one woman. Um, So this was seen to exclude uh, those who do not wish to engage in the institution of marriage, um, and especially faced opposition from those who were concerned that this was excluding LGBT students. Um, So as a result of this pushback, uh, the law societies, those are our regulators, uh, bodies that regulate lawyers. In Canada uh, in three provinces actually refused to recognize Trinity Western's law degree uh, effectively meaning that graduates from Trinity Western would not be licensed to practice law in those three provinces not because of concerns about their academic qualifications in fact the law societies all agree that these students would be competent and qualified and ethical um, but solely because of the community covenant. Uh, and just, I-
0: Derek, sorry, just let me make a, a point here. So this is a a, a educational institution that is established according to a religious ethos. It's a Christian institution. Now, you mentioned that uh, it was the only Christian law school that would have existed in Canada. But the idea of having a Christian law school or a Christian university, as the broader institution was, itself is not an unusual idea, is it? I mean, we have Christian faith-based schools, for example. We have faith-based charities. We have faith-based institutions throughout the Western world. And in fact, they're responsible for a great deal of education, a great deal of our health care and a great deal of our charitable work. So so this is not an outlier, weird, fruity case where you have an institution started up that has a Christian ethos. Am I, I'm right in saying that, aren't I?
1: You're absolutely right. And, and uh, we do have a number of faith-based institutions in Canada which are respected and, as you say, do a lot of good. The irony in all of this is that Trinity Western actually went to the Supreme Court 17 years ago over this very issue when they wanted to open a teacher's college. They faced the same opposition. At that time, though, the Supreme Court upheld Trinity Western's Community Covenant. They said, you know, not everyone will want to attend a Christian university like this, but faith-based institutions contribute to the multicultural fabric of Canada. And organizations like this are a social good. This is part of what makes Canada what it is. And religious freedom protects the rights of individuals, including students, to come together and associate around shared religious beliefs in their university studies. So Trinity Western actually, you're right, it's not an outlier, it, and it had Supreme Court precedent from only 17 years ago on its side, but that was then, and and this is now.
0: Right, and and um, in in terms of um, the uh, in terms of the issue in the case, um, you mentioned that there was this community covenant. Um, And you mentioned that there was a clause in there about Christian marriage, or it said, you know, to refrain from sexual intimacy outside of marriage, which is the Christian version of marriage because it's a Christian institution. Was that the sole flashpoint for this case in terms of the rhetoric around it, in terms of the concern that the law societies had? Were they concerned purely on that ground or were they concerned also more broadly on the ground that it was a Christian ethos?
1: Yeah, that's a really important question. The short answer is that some uh, benchers, some of the uh, leaders of the Law societies, did object to other aspects of uh, Trinity Western's Christian uh, identity. Uh, so, for example, the Law Society of Ontario, um, the province where I'm licensed, they argued that even aside from the issue of marriage, they had concerns that Trinity Western defined itself as distinctly Christian. And they were concerned that uh, references in the community covenant to the New Testament would have the effect of excluding non-Christians and those who don't share an evangelical Christian worldview. So they, they had concerns, and they even wrote in their factum, that they were concerned that this would exclude non-Christians, such as um, atheists or Muslims or Buddhists. Um, and so they, had, they, they objected to just the idea of having... distinctly Christian law school. Uh, B.C. was different. British Columbia said that their only concern was around the issue of how Trinity Western defined marriage and the effect that that would have on uh, primarily LGBT students.
0: Well, that's truly, really, I mean, in any event, the the belief about Christian marriage is is a fundamental belief, um, and human sexuality and what the human person is. You know, that that runs to the core of Orthodox Christianity. In any event, so in, in a sense, it's not so different from to say that there's a concern about that issue and a concern about the Christian ethos in general. Uh, but it's interesting to note the the two different angles uh, there. Can I um, can I ask what uh, what is it that uh, what is it that then uh, happened in terms of the Supreme Court outcome this time? you said that they had been to the Supreme Court once before. Could you just tell us did the Supreme Court agree with the law societies and say this law school should be de-accredited uh, or did they say that no no, it should be allowed to continue?
1: We had a split decision uh, a seven to two split so we have nine judges in our Supreme Court. Uh, it is the supreme court is the highest court of the land in canada so its decision is final seven judges so the majority decided in favor of the law societies and effectively decided that it was reasonable for them to reject trinity's law school based on its community covenant and the expression of marriage within it two judges dissented in a very eloquent uh, very powerful dissent uh, argued that what the majority was doing was actually undermining true diversity and true equality because they were effectively forcing their views on a religious minority, in this case, Trinity Western.
0: So a 7-2 decision that says if a law school or an educational institution by extension, I dare say, is established according to Christian principles, uh, then it cannot be credit i mean that's an unbelievable situation to find ourselves in i want to just leave that thought there derek and we're going to come back to the question of what this means for true equality which you've just alluded to right after the break voice for values at acl.org.au welcome back to voice for values Well, in light of the release of the Ruddock review into religious freedom this week, uh, I'm on the line with an international guest to talk about what sorts of concerns there are around religious freedom in other jurisdictions where key policy reforms have already passed. For example, same-sex marriage. I'm talking to Christian Legal Fellowship Executive Director Derek Ross. Uh, In his country, they had that policy change in 2005 uh, and they've since had the same discussions around religious freedom that we are having a little earlier. Uh, just shortly after our same-sex marriage policy has passed. Now, Derek uh, has uh, a number of cultural observations and a number of cases in his home country that are, in a sense, warnings to us and indicative of what we may be able to expect in terms of issues into the future. Now, Derek, we just finished the last section uh, at this really startling position where the Trinity Western University case, a very recent case out of the highest court in your country, the Supreme Court of Canada, Leaves you in a situation where for a Christian institution to start up, say, a law school uh, and presumably by extension an education college or some other school or some other higher education institution and to run it according to distinctly Christian principles and under a Christian ethos, that's no longer allowed. In Canada, uh, in the sense that if a, if, if if a pr- qualifying body like the Law Society chooses not to accredit that because of the uh, exclusive exclusive Christian nature of it, then that is fine. A- am I characterizing this correctly? It's a very
1: serious concern that we have. The, the one nuance I would say is that in the Trinity Western decision, the Supreme Court did go out of its way to say that its decision was limited to the law school; that uh, the Law Societies had a unique statutory mandate that a different case, different facts, different contexts, different considerations might be a different outcome. So, our position is that this case can and should be distinguished in future cases involving other educational institutions. But there's no question that there's a concern that this does create a precedent for challenging uh, other Christian organizations that do wish to organize themselves and carry out their activities in accordance with Orthodox Christian teachings.
0: What was it about the Law, the law Society's um, role that the Supreme Court picked up and said that that was particularly relevant to enable them to do this?
1: Well, the Law Societies in Canada had a statutory objective of promoting the public interest, as the wording used in the legislation. And the court uh, basically used that as... Um, A gateway to introduce all sorts of philosophical ideas, uh, saying that the public interest means promoting equality, promoting diversity, promoting shared values. Um, And and the problem with that, of course, is that these are not terms that are defined. These are values that are really the judges' values. Um, The law clearly protected Trinity Western's organizational community covenant. Nothing it did was unlawful. Human rights legislation explicitly protect these sorts of community covenants. Uh, the charter protects freedom of religion, that's our fundamental bill of rights. Um, there was really nothing unlawful, so the court could only hang its hat on this vague notion of values and the public interest. And the dissent said, this is a huge problem. We cannot trump constitutional rights with judges' preferred values. The judge, the, the dissent described it as um, basically just taking the idiosyncrasies of judges' minds and using them to trample on constitutional rights. But in a nutshell, that's that was what was invoked, was this idea of charter values in the public interest. Uh, now, whether that will be invoked in future cases, there are other regulators in Canada which are said to operate in the public interest, um, that this might become a problem. Our argument was that the public interest includes religious diversity, accommodating religious minorities, allowing space for people that believe in traditional marriage, as well as those that believe in same-sex marriage. That is what a free and democratic society looks like, is to say the state is neutral between those positions, but allows both communities to pursue their own conception of marriage. That is how our court has traditionally approached the issue. Trinity Western is unfortunately a departure from that approach. We hope that that's just an outlier and that future cases will return to a much more balanced accommodation of difference.
0: But it is a concern, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned the the public interest tests that the law societies have to abide by. That's really not that unusual. I mean, there's other regulators that if they don't have that exact language, they have similar considerations built into the way they operate. I mean, you can think of medical boards and the way they regulate the medical profession. You know, there's a public interest element to that and it might be worded like that or it may be worded similarly. So we wind up with, with, with a huge problem Problem here potentially uh, in that wherever the public interest is at stake, wherever public values need to be upheld, then all of a sudden, religious diversity is not a public value in in Canada um, uh, under this kind of reasoning. I mean, and, and just to pick that up, when we talk about diversity, uh, obviously you and I suddenly are, are talking about it in a slightly different way uh, to the way that say those those seven judges would talk about diversity. And it's interesting to me that both sides will use the language of diversity either way. So we'll say, well, we need the law school to continue to exist because we need diverse religious communities. That's true diversity, true pluralism. Whereas they'll say, no, no, the law school is too exclusive uh, and it actually wars against diversity because it doesn't allow all kinds of people involved. Can you comment on that? What is, in a in a society like Canada, in a society like Australia, what is true diversity? Why is one diverse and one not? <laughs>
1: Well, in my view, true diversity is a concept that accommodates difference and not one that tries to suppress religious dissent, or any dissent for that matter. Uh, Before Trinity Western got to the Supreme Court, uh, it was heard by a number of lower courts in Canada. And I think the British Columbia Court of Appeal said it best. They said that a society that cannot accommodate and admit of difference is not a free and democratic society. A free and democratic society, so true pluralism, true diversity, is one where citizens are free to debate, to think, and to challenge the accepted view without reprisal. In my view, the conception of diversity that was employed to shut down Trinity Western is a very impoverished view of diversity. It's one that says we will tolerate you only up to the point that we Uh, disagree with you. Once there's disagreement on ideology, on moral philosophy, on conceptions about what is right and good and just, if we disagree on that point, we won't tolerate your viewpoint. That's not diversity, that is intolerance.
0: We will tolerate you only up to the point that we disagree with you. I think that's a, that's a line that in the minds of many Australians is going to resonate um, because we've recently been through some significant uh, social changes and social debates Uh, I think in which many uh, who are concerned about their religious freedom are concerned about that very issue: will we be tolerated uh, insofar as we disagree with uh, the new moral normal or the new standards that have been uh, that have been put in place in legislation? Uh, Now, Derek, uh, the Trinity Western case is a great warning to us about the situation in a country like Canada, Um, and I want to draw a line under that discussion. And thank you for joining us on Voice for Values. But in the next episode, we're going to come back, and what we're going to to do, is we're going to ask the question what is the broader situation in Canada around religious freedom, and what is it that led Canadians and the Canadian Supreme Court to this position where a law school with a Christian ethos can be de accredited by the law societies on that basis? Uh, Derek, thanks for joining me today on
1: Voice for Values. Thank you so much for having me, Martin. Voice for
0: Values from the Australian Christian Lobby at acl.org.au.